1: Is my analysis of Russell Westbrook crazy? Why did KD leave OKC? How will this season shake out for the Thunder? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey sports fans, Coach Nick here and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown Podcast. I am pleased to bring on Darnell Mayberry, who uh, is currently the assistant sports editor at the Oklahoman, and we also know him as the Thunder beat writer for the Oklahoman for seven years before that. So, Darnell, I'm really pleased to have you on the show. I've been following you for a long time on Twitter and enjoying all of your writing, so uh, it's just, uh, it's great to be able to get here and talk Thunder with you. Pleasure
0: to be on. Thanks for having me, Coach
1: Nick. Hey, my pleasure. And, you know, I think we, we connected at some point uh, on Twitter recently on a video I just happened to do, If in case anyone hasn't seen it. <laughs> I, I did a video about Russell Westbrook and his finishing at the rim, uh, and primarily because people are always shocked when I tell them that, comparatively, his field goal percentage at the rim uh, isn't, you know, uh, elite. And so that just got everybody riled up, and um, I, I just thought – you know, maybe I could lie down on the couch for a few minutes with you and you can help me get through my, my <laughs> mental anguish here because, like, am I crazy? No, not at all.
0: And, you know, for those of us who watched Russell Westbrook closely over the years, this is nothing new. Now, kudos to you. You've actually gone out and done the legwork uh, and have really shown people that this is real. You know, on video, they they can't dispute... Uh, the video and the, the statistical data that, that you presented. So I thought you did a great job in terms of, uh, packaging it all. First of all, researching it, uh, diving into it, providing a deep dive for people to really be able to sink their teeth into it and understand what you're, what you're speaking of instead of just saying, Russell so Westbrook's not a great finisher at the rim. Uh, you know, the, you really can't argue with the numbers that you presented, uh, and the evidence that you provided. So, uh, but for those of us who have watched him closely, he's always, Uh, struggled at the rim in certain ways of finishing. And, you know, he's great at getting there. Uh, He's gotten a lot better at finishing once there. But he still has those moments where he's just, uh, for whatever reason, uh, you know, he may be going too fast, may be out of control. I thought you did a great job of explaining uh, left foot, right foot, uh, you know, which foot he's going off of, his, his footwork in general. Uh, you know, for whatever reason, he, he struggled at times to finish at the rim. And sometimes that hurts him and it hurts the team.
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny because the analytics guys will come yelling at me saying that it's it's the volume of drives to the basket, which clearly make up for all the misses. And I I don't know, I just... I really have a hard time. I kind of go back and forth with being able to understand what that means and why they might be right, and then I get back into the notion of it's like I don't know. It's it, high volume inefficiency still doesn't seem like it makes it makes up for it. Does that make sense to you?
0: No, I mean if you're if you're inefficient, you're inefficient. I, I just think the volume shouldn't matter as much. And I'm not much of an analytics type of guy. I mean, I I, <clears throat> I appreciate them. Uh, I, I try to. Try to apply them when useful, uh, but I don't rely solely on them, and I don't think anyone does, don't get me wrong. But uh, if you're, <clears throat> you know, it doesn't matter to me if you're taking 10 shots at the rim or 100 shots at the rim, if you're finishing 10%, you know and I'm exaggerating here, you're inefficient and you're not being useful uh, in that regard. Now, Russell Westbrook, I think, does more good than bad, don't get me wrong. Uh, even though he might not be the best finisher at the rim at times, uh, you know, I still think he does much more good than bad when he, when he gets there um, and, and whether he finishes or someone else gets an offensive rebound, which I know you laid out in the video. Um, you know, I, I think the problems that Russell w- runs into is when he crashes into the paint extremely hard with a lot of force uh, and then falls to the ground and then doesn't get back on defense. To me, that, that costs his team more and in, in more ways than just missing a layup. Uh, those are the types of moments when I'd like to see him curtail a little bit uh, and, and not loaf back on defense after uh, missing a layup or feeling like he got fouled uh, and then laying on the ground complaining for a call.
1: You know, that, that's actually a good point. People brought up in the comments as well. My problem with that, I really wanted to show that, but the clips that I have and the way they come out, they don't usually extend much beyond the miss and then maybe him going to the ground. And so, yeah, I really was frustrated by that because I would have had to, like, somehow grab, uh, like, whole games and then go through them all. It would have been really difficult. Um, but maybe at some point it would be worth doing. But for sure, that, that is a, there's a factor there. You know, what's funny is that I was watching the, – the video was 12 minutes long. And I was watching through the first, like, five minutes before anyone could have even watched half of it. I already got, like, 65 or 70 thumbs down. <laughs> So I feel like a lot of the hate just came from they saw the title. And, you know, I will admit it was a little bit of a hyperbole, although it wasn't that much. It simply was, you know, Russ isn't as good a finisher as you think he is. You know, whatever. Uh, but like, I just feel like there's already a built in, and people are screaming at me anyway because I don't know if you've seen, you know, in, in, in my past work, I've had issues with his game. And I think primarily because of what you kind of described as far as the, you know, he's sort of out of control and, and, um, too fast. And it's the point guard position. And I think as a coach, that's the, that's the sacred position there where you feel like that's where you have to have the most balance and the most control. Um, But is this the new version of point guards that we're seeing now?
0: I mean, you're seeing a lot of scoring point guards, as you know, and Russell Westbrook being, you know, the king among all of them. Um, So, again, I can't emphasize enough that he does much more good than bad. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, the Thunder wouldn't have been the Thunder over the last eight seasons had Russell Westbrook not had the force of will that he he brought to this team. I mean, his competitive drive, people – you know, relate to, uh, they compare to Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan's, for crying out loud. So uh, you can't argue with that by any means. Does he always control it and use it the right way? That's debatable. Uh, you know, I think he could do a lot better job of, of controlling his emotions and, and, and trying to rein in some of that competitiveness. Uh, but at the same time, you want, you got to take the, <clears throat> the the bad with the good. And, you know, for Russell Westbrook to be out there and, and do what he does every night, you know, he's going to have to lose himself himself in the moment at times, and I think that's just part of it. And um, you know, he's a fantastic player. Uh, I don't want to sit here and, and, and act like we're killing him. Uh, I know, you know, you, Coach Nick, have gotten a lot of criticism for being a Russ hater. I've gotten some of that as well, and, and I don't think that it that's it at all. I think just from a basketball standpoint, from a basketball purist standpoint, I think guys like us just look at it and say. Can he be more effective and use his athleticism, uh, in spots and not just be, you know, balls to the wall at all times? And I think that's sort of the thing that we look at at times and say, can he
1: improve? Right. And, I, and maybe I did a bad job in the video of trying to stress that, yes, he is... Uh, and I mean, I, I showed lots of highlights, and I did talk about how incredible he is, you know, ex- athletically. And the way he, he... When he does finish, it's like, you know, it's some of the most amazing highlights you're going to see. So I, I get... I understand why... You know, people say, well, he has the ability to be one of the best finishers in the league because he's shown us, you know, at times. I just get frustrated, right, in the volume of it, uh, they, they get balanced out. But without question, you're right. He is a top, like, you know, the funny thing is now I'm getting yelled at because it's like he's a top 10 player. He's a top seven player like I I just don't know if I can get him into like that top five for me just because you know like I'm I'm more of a purist than most and and that's that's what's interesting when you mentioned emotion and let Russ be Russ that sort of style you you've been up close with him and I'm kind of curious from from up from afar it looks like his fuel is anger and kind of rage is that really what he's using when you're up close and seeing how he what, what is motivating him and what's fueling his energy
0: you know, it used to be. I mean, we're talking back in his first, you know, three, four years in the league. Mm-hmm. There would be nights where he'd go up against, let's just say, Ty Lawson. I know Ty Lawson has fallen off a cliff. But he'd go up against a guy like Ty Lawson or, or uh, uh, <clears throat> Raymond Felton, someone like that. Uh, and, and he would really make it a point to try to win his matchup, to, to try to get the best of that matchup. And really, he would do it at, at, at all costs. Uh, it didn't really matter if, if he was playing out of, uh, out, out of control or um, not playing within himself or doing something to hurt the team, you know, making it about him as opposed to staying within the confines of the, of the game plan. Uh, he was doing whatever he wanted to do at times, but that was a long time ago. Uh, now, Russell Westbrook has really, uh, I give him credit for settling down. Uh, playing within himself, sticking to the game plan a lot more often. You still see some battles, and I think it's funny now because you're seeing it with rookies, uh, and, you know, first and second year players and, and guys that he probably clearly doesn't have a whole lot of respect for. Uh, and <clears throat> I won't mention names, uh, <laughs> but there are guys that, that you, you, you you'd see him go, go into the Knights matchup against, and he just really just dominate them, uh, like, you know, like some of the battles that he'd had to go up against when he was a rookie. So uh, to me, it's funny now how, how the, the shoe is on the other foot and Russ just goes he, against some of these younger players and just dominates them. And some guys uh, go up against Russ and they start talking, and you know that's when you see that that competitiveness come out and, and Russ just want to take over and dominate whoever's in front of him. But for the most part, I, I think that he's really settled down on that, and that that's not really what fuels him anymore. Uh, he, I don't think he likes his matchups. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't, um, I think he respects most of his opponents. I don't think he uh, likes the player who's in front of him. And I think that's always going to be with him. Yeah. Um, But for the most part, I do think that he's settled down and he's cut out that element of his game.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I can see that, um, you know, as far as what you're talking about. Like last year, there seemed to be a little bit more of that. It's not tranquil, but there seemed to be a little bit more steady keel where he used to. I mean, I remember he would go to the basket and miss. And the guy, a teammate, would put the ball back in, and he would be angry because he didn't get a call. Instead of like, "Hey, I drove the hoop and we scored," like that, that always seemed to be strange to me. Um, So, so you know, you're right. By the way, and the other thing is, it's his ninth season, so there isn't much changing of him. Uh, This is going to be who he is until he declines athletically, I imagine. Um, Well, I don't know, Coach. I mean,
0: now that Kevin Durant's gone, I uh think it's going to be. Very interesting to see how Russell Westbrook takes the reins of this team as the unquestioned leader uh, and the sole leader of this team. You got some other veteran guys in there, you know, Nick Collison, but he, you know, he, his minutes <clears throat> his minutes dwindled last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Stephen Adams is emerging. Uh, you got Victor Oladipo coming in. He's going to have to take on more of a, a leadership role uh, with this team. But for the most part. You know, Russell Westbrook is is going to be the guy on this team. And I'm going to be interested in watching how he takes that challenge now without Kevin Durant by his side.
1: I think we all are. I mean, I think the initial reaction was he is going to go nuclear and just average 40, I don't know, what, 40 points, 12 assists, you know, nine rebounds, whatever it's going to be, right? And that's sort of what we're thinking. Um, As we progress, maybe there's been some sound bites or something like that. Do you feel like that's still the case?
0: Him going nuclear? Yeah. I, you know, I've I never really bought into that. I mean, that that's going to be incredibly difficult to do for an entire season, especially at the point guard position. He exerts so much energy, uh, and it takes such a mental toll on you, you know, any two game season. Uh, defenses are going to be able to play him in ways that uh, they haven't been able to really play before without you know, Kevin Durant by his side. So, Uh, Even though we did get to see that stretch, I guess it was two years ago with Kevin Durant's foot injury. You know, I think he, he, not to take anything away from him, uh, he he did his thing and he was incredible. But I think now defenses know they can game plan just for him. Uh, And I think it'll be a little bit tougher. I don't see him averaging, you know, these gaudy numbers. I think they're going to be great. uh, But I just don't think that he's going to be able to sustain that level for an entire 82-game season. So, uh, while I do think he's going to be able to put up great numbers and have these triple-doubles and these monster games at times, I think he's going to focus more on trying to get these other guys involved. I think that's going to be the biggest thing. Russell Westbrook knows he needs everyone. He needs Ennis Cannon, He needs Stephen Adams and Andre Robertson and Oladipo and Ilya Sova and all of these guys. He can't do it alone. Not if they want to win big. Uh, and by win big, that's no longer a championship, in my opinion. That's, you know, top four seed mm-hmm. uh, if they get lucky. So, I think he knows that he needs his teammates and he's going to do everything he can to get those guys involved and make sure that their confidence is up so that he can rely on them and he doesn't have to do it all on his
1: own. Wow. Well, that actually sounds fantastic. And I guess if if there's ever going to be the opportunity to to, to embrace that role, it it is this year without uh, KD. Um, which reminds me, as I'm looking at the, the, the current roster here, like, who is starting? I mean, I, I think we can assume, uh, we know Russ is starting, I'm, we're going to assume Oladipo is going to start and Adams are going to start. Do we have any idea Is it, like how else he's going to proceed from there?
0: We, we really don't. I mean, we're, all we're left to do right now is guess and assume, and the assumption, a widely held assumption right now, is that Victor Oladipo would probably start uh, at the two-guard spot Uh, Andre Robertson maybe started three Um, you know they don't have really good options there the three spot is going to be their biggest question mark on who starts Uh, it's either going to be Andre Robertson I doubt they would go Kyle Singler Anthony Morrow maybe a dark horse candidate to start at that spot Uh, but I would guess Andre Robertson if they had to start the season today uh, and then at the floor, I would think Ersan Ilyasova. Uh, he's an experienced guy. He can stretch the floor a little bit. You're going to need some shooting in that lineup because if you got Oladipo, Russ, Robertson, and Adams, you don't have much three-point shooting. Uh, so you're gonna have to have Ilyasova out there to, to help stretch the, fl- the floor. I don't think they're gonna go with Demontis Sabonis, the rookie out of Gonzaga. Um, you know, just inexperienced and, uh, probably not ready to, to step into a starting role in the NBA being a rookie, and Nick Collison, obviously, long in the tooth. He's, he's uh, losing a step. So I would think Ursula Ilyasova and Andre Robertson get the, the spots or the nod at the, the four and three spot, respectively. So, uh, But Billy Donovan's got a lot to figure out. Uh, you know, there, There's a lot of pieces for, on this team, uh, even without Kevin Durant, and he's got to figure out how to maximize those pieces and get the most out of these guys individually so they can come together and be a good group collectively.
1: I, I agree. I agree. I mean, I certainly liked the Adams Cantor dynamic last year, but I think the problem with that was it was balanced with having KD as well. And when you take that factor away, yeah, that that might screw up everything, and they might not be able to go to the you know the the, the Twin Tower lineup again. Um, you know, there's some pieces here. Let me ask you this: I'm kind of curious because. Um, what happened with Dion Waiters in, in a good way? Like something happened in the playoffs where I, my impression was he started to play defense a lot with a lot more energy. He was running the offense at times to start the fourth quarter um, and actually like, you know, sort of blending in a little bit more. How did that happen?
0: Well, I think it took a, you know, a season and a half of, of trying to get in Deion's <clears throat> ear and telling him, Hey, you know, this is, this is the way we need you to play. And I think it finally just, for him, uh, and he realized that if he just focuses on playing defense, taking open shots when he as a spot up shooter and not settling for the step back jumper uh, and his many mid range shots, you know he didn't he didn't eliminate that completely from his game, uh, but but he did settle down on those mid range jumpers and especially those step back long twos. Uh, he even joked in the at his season-ending press conference that, you know, his teammates called him Downhill Deion. <laughs> and, and when he's Downhill Deion, he's hard to stop. So what that meant basically was that he'd get all the way to the basket. He'd either, you know, spot up for the three or get all the way to the basket when the ball was swung his way. Uh, and, you know, Deion can be a, a pretty good finisher at the rim. He's not good at all. He's not great, but he can be really good at times. Uh, and he's one of the best at getting to the rim. Now, he he has struggled with finishing there, uh, but he, he did a much better job of finishing in the playoffs uh, and taking out some of those long twos and those step-back jumpers. And then he focused on defense, which made him look like a really, really good two-way player. Uh, and I think that was what clicked in the postseason for him.
1: Okay, so that's an interesting question then. They, they were making strides They spent a lot of time, obviously invested to try and get him there. Does, did he leave strictly because of the numbers and the money, or did, was it, did he leave because he wasn't happy and didn't think it was going to work?
0: No, I mean, I think, he, I think he left because the Thunder had an opportunity to renegotiate um, Russell Westbrook's contract. Uh, and once they had that opportunity after Kevin Durant left, they they couldn't pass up that opportunity. They couldn't let Russell Westbrook go into this season without some assurances that he was going to be here beyond this season. So to do that, they had to let Deion Waiters, uh, they had to, to pull the qualifying offer for Deion And allow him to walk. And, you know, obviously that's just smart business by the Thunder because now they got Russell Westbrook for an additional year and with that player option, maybe two. So um, I don't think it had much to do with money. He took a a huge killing to go to Miami. Um, I think it was, what, four or five, $6 million less uh, in Miami that he got than he would have had here just on the qualifying offer alone. So uh, I don't think it had anything to do with money at all. I just think it was all about. Uh, the Thunder doing what was best for the Thunder in terms of letting him walk to create that that space on the books to get Russell Westbrook ink.
1: Okay, it's interesting. Um, so once they got Russ signed, then then that qualifying offer I, I, I'm such a bad salary cap guy. Uh, then that that qualifying offer was gone. He wouldn't be able to get that money anyway. That, is that the point you're making?
0: Yeah, I mean, they had to pull that. and In, in yeah. essence, they had to pull that qualifying offer for beyond Off, to yeah. be able to have the money to re-sign Russell Westbrook.
1: Okay. Yeah, at that point, then then it's a no-brainer. He he'll he would have ultimately made more money. Okay, I mean, I, I, it's interesting. We'll have to find out how well that plays out in Miami, again, uh, of all places as well with him. Um, you know, the one thing I, I wanted to get back to about Russ and about what you mentioned about him you know, facilitating or, or understanding he needs his teammates – You know, I guess part of the argument about him driving and shooting all those shots was that the alternative was to kick it out for a wide-open Roberson three, for instance. Um, And I brought that up in the video where I'm kind of curious your thoughts. To me, you know, and everyone would argue, well, yeah, a contested seven-footer is still a better shot than a a wide-open, you know, Roberson three. But I'm not so sure of that. I almost feel like, you know, is there this notion of the trust that he could put into his teammates would allow, would make them feel more comfortable and perhaps it would reap more benefits than we've seen before?
0: You know, I thought that was a a, a great issue that you brought up on the video. And... You know, I don't know what the right answer is. I, I do know that the right basketball play is to kick it to the open man. But when you have a Russell Westbrook who is so dominant uh, and, and so good at getting to his spots uh, and putting pressure on the defense, it's hard to tell a guy, you know, kick it out, And especially when you're kicking it out to Andre Robertson. No knock on Andre Robertson, no disrespect to him, but, you know, you would rather 9 times out of 10 a Russell Westbrook try to finish than kicking it out to Andre Robertson. Now, where I do agree with you is that I think the, the impact of being able to boost an Andre Robertson's confidence and trust him by continually going to him uh, and saying, hey, I'm going to trust you, I'm going to keep hitting you no matter what, be ready, I think th- the long-term impact of that is greater than Russell Westbrook just finishing at the rim. Uh, and I think you, you you need guys like that more long term than you do Russell Westbrook just getting there and finishing. Uh, so I do agree with you from that standpoint. The psychological aspect of it is something that uh, I don't think you can quantify. Uh, and that's just one of those things that if you make the right basketball play, what kind of trickle down effect would that have? And so I, I think he did do that a lot more. I mean, look, he the guy was right there among the league leaders and assists in the regular season and the postseason. So um, and not that assists are the end all, be all, but he is clearly trying to get his teammates involved. I just think with a guy like Russ, his mentality is nine times out of ten going to be, if you're not going to get it done, I'm going to get it done. And I think it's hard to rein in a guy like that whose mentality is like that.
1: Uh, yeah, I agree. You know, it's funny because as when I was coaching, uh, you know, I would have players who would try and do like play like Russ. And obviously it would rub me a little bit wrong because it's, you know, maybe not the the, the basketball play, the hashtag basketball that we're looking for, but uh, I would usually say, okay, let's, yeah, let's see how this goes. And, uh, you know, if you're going to, um, if you're, you know, if you can make those enough, you know, to make to justify them, I'm like, okay, we can, you know, you, you are, you can do those. So that's the, that's the real question here is, you know, and I think that was the subject of the, of the video was, you know, is it enough to be sort of, you know, in that lower second tier pack of finishers for that volume? Um, and so we'll have to find out. You know, I, I kind of wanted to ask a little bit about KD and what your thoughts were about how that played out because, you know, so much has been said about it already. Uh, and I'm sure you've written about it and talked about it, you know, ad nauseum or uh, about, like, his reasons. But maybe can you give us a little bit of a nutshell of, you know, the, the what, what was the main reason that Kevin Durant left the Thunder?
0: I still don't think we know the answer to that. And that's the... That's the interesting thing. Like, I don't think we know the answer to that. It could be simply just because he felt like that's going to give him the best chance to win a championship. But uh, to, to my knowledge, I don't think he's come out and said that. You know, I think he he has alluded to, you know, camaraderie with with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Andre Godala and Draymond Green, you know, just family-type atmosphere or whatever, you know, but, like, I don't think he's just come out and said, hey, this, these guys are going to give me the best chance to win a championship, and I'm all about winning a championship. I think, you know, it's easy to sit here and, and assume that that's what it is because, you know, I think most of us assume that the Golden State Warriors are going to be right there again for the third straight year and probably going to win it this year. Um, but he hasn't just come out and, and and had a real sit down and said, this is what this decision was about. Uh, and the thing that is really strange or uh confusing is the fact that he had a chance to beat those guys they were up 3-1 uh and it was largely his fault and some of russell Westbrook's fault as well that you know that they didn't get the job done in game six so um if they had have done their job they would have beaten those guys and moved on to the nba finals and then to leave and join them is the more most confusing thing about the whole thing so uh i don't know i mean it, it was his right he was a free agent. Uh, you know, you can't fault him for making a decision that he felt was best for him for whatever reason, but I just think there's still so much confusion and, and uncertainty or I'm not, 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 not a whole lot of clarity on why he made the decision.
1: Right, which allows us to kind of make up stuff, which is great. <laughs> um, I, I feel like, yeah, because, you know, obviously he's looking at the style of play. You couldn't have two different styles of offense than the Thunder and the Warriors, right? You have, you know, the Thunder with... Uh, A very, you know, ISO-oriented, not a lot of movement. But although every once in a while, they break out a Donovan set, and it was nice, and it looked good. But they couldn't seem to sustain that. Meanwhile, you come down and you watch the Warriors, and the ball is flying all over the place. Everyone's cutting and moving. So you have to imagine he's looking at that and seeing you know, wow, I can sit there and watch Russ do his thing and then I can kind of do my thing with a guy draped all over me or (laughs) we can move the ball around. I mean, I think that would certainly have to be a significant percentage of his decision, right? Well,
0: there's two things that I'd like to say about that. One is I give a lot of credit to Billy Donovan. He had an enormous task coming into this team uh, as a first-year NBA coach, uh, coming from the college level, even though he had won two championships, and and inheriting – two superstars and Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook, contrary to what Mark Cuban believes. Uh-huh. He had two superstars that he had to rein in and say, okay, guys, I know you've had a lot of success, especially in the regular season, and getting deep into the playoffs, maybe not winning a championship, deep into the playoffs with the way you played. But we're going to scrap all of that and play this way. I can't imagine a coach having to come into a situation and, and telling two superstars, Forget what you've done. We're going to do it this way. So Billy Donovan was getting there, though. You could see toward the end of the season and into the playoffs, this team was evolving. They were moving the basketball. One of the, the one of the first things Billy Donovan said when he took the job was his system is about player movement, ball movement, and making the extra pass. And that's what you were seeing as the season went along and, and into the playoffs, and they were getting there. So that's the first thing that I'd like to say. The second thing is Kevin Durant is widely – believed to be the second best player in the world okay he's an otherworldly talent he had full reign control in this franchise to do whatever he wanted to do say whatever he wanted to say Uh, he could have played a different style of play he didn't have to play iso ball the your turn my turn hero ball style that we have grown so accustomed to seeing out of this team for so many years you know it was a decision he could have bought in to moving the ball, player movement, ball movement, extra pass, but he chose to play that way. You know, it's not just Russell Westbrook; it's not just Kevin Durant. You know, it's both of those guys. You know, they had an opportunity to to really embrace what Billy Donovan was preaching and the style of play that he tried to bring to this team. And if Kevin Durant didn't want to play it, then I look at Kevin Durant and say, and say, that's on you. You know, you didn't have to go to Golden State to play that way. You could have done that here with the Thunder but he chose not to. So so those are the two things that stand out in my mind when I think about the Thunder style of play and if Kevin Durant left to go to the Warriors because of their style of play. He had an opportunity to play a similar game here. Now, it wasn't going to be the same because you had guys like, you know, Serge Ibaka who weren't great passers and, you know, they they couldn't put the ball on the floor, things like that. But, uh, you know, Kevin Durant had an option and and he chose not to express that or, or at least buy into playing that way. So I look at that as
1: being on him. That's very intriguing. Uh, I'm I'm trying to picture the that, that scene or, or that, how that plays out. So obviously in practice and training camp and as you know, Donovan's taking over, he's he's giving them an offense. He's giving them you know ball movement, spacing, um, you know, extra pass. All that should be happening, right? Um, and so the game starts. And then, you know, and I guess part of it is just the natural regression. Like, you know, they're used to doing the more ISO. They did, and so you, they would fall back into that. And even after we did see some, you know, some great movement, certainly in the Spurs series, we were seeing some really, a really good evolution. But you would also see that, like, in the crunch time of the most pressure of some of these games, they would go back to, you know, that ISO stuff, which is understandable. So I guess the idea being that, like, I wonder how conscious that is to sort of, Defy what the coach has installed. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't think it was something that they did intentionally,
0: necessarily. Like I don't think they just went out there and and said, you know, screw what Coach Donovan is saying, we're going to do it our way. I don't think that was the case. You you saw uh, a lot of times those guys really, really trying to buy in to mm-hmm. to moving the ball, to to trusting their teammates. Um, you know, to to playing a different style of play with spacing and ball movement, player movement. Um, but I just think when, when times got tough, you mentioned, you know, late in games, crunch time situations, they would revert back to, to the your turn, my turn, hero ball men- mentality. Uh, and that goes back to that, that their mentalities as, as players. You know, they're going to look at it and say, well, you know, we're two of the best players in the world. We're going to be able to get this done and, and not in a negative way, but just in a confident way. And you can't fault them for that. But at the same time, when you're, when you're bumping your head against the wall over and over and over again, you've got to think at some point these guys are going to realize maybe I should go around that wall instead of trying to go through it. And I don't think they ever really realized that they can't just go through that wall. You know, they, they got to find another way. Uh, and the way that they were doing it wasn't working.
1: Right, and I, and I always kind of said that because people would scream at me about it even when they were, you know, fifth or fourth or third in the league in offensive rating, and obviously this offense is great, but I always sensed for the last several years that, you know, it's good enough to beat the bottom 22 defenses in the league, but not the top two or three. And, you know, I know it's hard to hear when you're a fan and you're really enraptured about it, but that was tough for me. Uh, you know, I would go out there and say, like, you know, I, I don't feel good or or. or Indicated or any way like that for for sort of I mean I, I guess ultimately being right because part of the reason was the injuries right we never really got to see until last year what they could have done but um, but certainly you know I I choose to believe as a coach that um, that you know there is a certain amount of ball movement and player movement that that it seems to be necessary in a consistent way and I think you're right I think the other thing is it's it's the coach I think the coach needs to be able to to have control over the team and not let them revert and not let them continue to fall into some old habits that he wanted. So... We'll have to find out if, you know, if, if Donovan, you know, one more year in, with a lot more experience now uh, with this team, if, if, if that's going to change. Um, which leads me to my, you know, the last point I made in the video, which was about Russ uh, being a superstar, like you mentioned, you know. Um, I, I know I kind of questioned that, but I was just, I might have just been teasing, I guess, at the end. Or, or just, you know, it was just a thing that came up with Cuban. Um but I have to imagine. Do you agree with this? That you know, superstar. I think half of it has to deal with marketability, wouldn't you say?
0: Oh, definitely.
1: Yeah, and and
0: <clears throat> I mean, no matter how you slice it, though, Russell Westbrook is a superstar. I mean, you look at his, his his marketing. I mean, the guy has got tons of endorsements. You know, I mean, people people are just clamoring after him uh, to to endorse their products to to model their clothes to, do, to 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 do all kinds of stuff. So he's definitely right there um you know among the league's best in terms of marketability. There's no question about it.
1: And I I undersold that. And he is Uh, his persona in these commercials is hilarious. Like when he does, when they drink that, the the Mountain Dew and their shirts change and he's like, that's messed up, bro. Whatever he said. (laughs) I mean, I, or when he's sliding across the, you know, the, the, you know, in that pose, uh, he, those are fantastic. Like, you know, those are as good as like the Jordan, you know, commercials with, uh, with Spike Lee. So, Yeah, I mean, I think that that is a big part of it. Uh, And in a way that, like, even though it's a nebulous term, like superstar, what does it necessarily mean? Uh, Yeah, and in fact, it's almost a refreshing thing because for so long, my impression of Russ was this boiling, you know, angry player who was out there trying to destroy everybody and leave nothing in his wake. Uh, And here is a guy who's actually very funny and kind of chill. Yeah, I mean, I
0: think. He is so much different than his <clears throat> on court personality, and any of us who played the game uh on any level I think would agree that you you can be a totally different p- person on the court than you are off the court and and that's okay um you know that's actually a good thing you know you want to have an edge when you're playing any competitive sport <clears throat> uh but off the court you know I think Russell book is, is, is more of a, uh, you know, I don't want to say shy, but I think he's more low-key and to himself. Uh, you know, I don't think he craves a ton of attention uh, off the court. I mean, you can see how quiet he's been this offseason. I think he's done maybe one interview, and that was at his, his press conference to announce the, the extension. Uh, so, you know, that's just who he is off the court. He's, he's a real uh, down-home, down-to-earth family guy. Um, you know, he's surrounded by just his, his parents, his mother, his father, and his younger brother, uh, and his wife, you know, those are the only people that you see him with, and his agent at times, you know, so, you know, he's not uh, going around with this huge entourage and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, getting into trouble at and, and nights and, you know, going flying all over the country, creating chaos, you know, he's, he's just really to himself, and I, I appreciate that about him, uh, <clears throat> and, and I just think that, with Kevin Durant's decision, I think that's just going to boost his platform even more. I think that's going to boost his marketability, his likability even more, uh, because Kevin made the controversial decision, and Russell made the, the uh, I guess the more popular decision of sticking with it, you know, and, and going at it even if he's got to go at it, quote unquote, alone. So I think that's going to endear him to a lot more people, uh, locally and nationally. He's a king here, Coach Nick. You got to come here, check out a game. I don't know if you've ever been. Uh, to the peak, but you got to come here, check out a game, and we'll get to – we'll get well, somehow we're going to get you with Russell Westbrook and you guys can hug it out.
1: Oh, wow. You know what's funny? Because I, <laughs> I have to imagine – you know, I run into NBA guys and, and they've seen videos. I, I have to imagine that Russ – might be somewhat aware of, and by, and by the way, for the record, I've done a, two or three videos that have celebrated him, and I like, have been very positive, so, but I don't know, man, I, I would be a little bit worried, and, and that, this is the final point I wanted to bring up before we wrap up, is we've seen him with the media, right, and, and there are moments when it's pretty downright, you know, you know, uncomfortable, whatever you want to call it, uh, it's safe to say you've been there for those, right? Oh, Yeah. What's that like to have to be there when he's doing the, you know, uh, execution and whatever stuff?
0: The thing that makes it
1: awkward, I guess the most awkward, is that it's such
0: a small market. um, And there's only so many – there's only a handful of media people uh, that are around him, especially, um, you know, if you're on the road um, in in a city that's not New York, L.A., Chicago – uh, Miami, you know, if you're, if you're just at a random road game, like when he, when he said the, the famous clip, uh, you know, I'm out y'all tripping in Utah. We were in Utah. You know, you can actually see me behind him. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people think I'm laughing. I just had kind of a smirk on my face because I knew it was coming the way they lost the game. And that's the other thing. The more you're around them, the more, you know, when those moments are coming, uh, you know, if he gets technical fouls kicked out of the game, anything like that, um, you know, you know that that moment's going to come. Uh, if they lose in a particularly ugly way, like they did in that Utah game, when he said, "Y'all, I'm y'all tripping. I'm out, y'all tripping." Uh, you know, you know that that moment's coming. But the thing that makes it the most awkward is that, you know, when I covered the team, I was the only traveling media member. Okay, at the from the Oklahoman, uh, I was the only traveling media member uh, locally. So there will be the teams media crew, you know, they, they got their website guy and, and their sideline reporter, their radio guy, their television people. But, uh, you know, I would be the only, uh, neutral media member traveling with the team and you'd have, you know, a couple handful of stra- stragglers from, uh, other markets that that'd show up. And so when that happens, it's not a lot of people that will kind of check for us and say, look, you know, we're asking fair questions. What are you, why are you acting like this? What's going on? So you're just left up to – it's just left up to you to be able to kind of control that situation or, or handle that situation. And, and, you know, Russ being the superstar that he is, he's going to be able to get away with a lot of that. So uh, it's not as bad as, as it seems, you know, from the from the vines and the YouTube clips and all of that mm-hmm. uh, because most of the time when you're around it enough, you expect it, you anticipate it. Uh, you can tell when those moments are going to happen. But the most difficult or challenging thing was always – you know, you, were, you were probably one of the
1: few guys that were in that room when that happened. Right. Has it ever happened where he directed all of his ire on you? Oh, yeah. I mean, he got kicked out of a game. I think
0: it was uh, – I think they were going up against the Phoenix Suns and the Morris Twins were there at the same uh, – that's when the Morris Twins were there. and they, they just got bad blood. I don't know what it is about those guys, but whenever they get on the court together, they can't stand each other. And uh, I think they got kicked – Russ got kicked out of the game for getting a double technical, he was taunting the bench. And, and so I had to ask him about it after the game. And, you know, I, you know, I was always a, a reporter that tried to do my job to the best of my ability, ask tough questions, didn't matter who it was. And so I kept asking him. And finally he said, he looked at me and he said, no more questions for you, Darnell. Or, that's it for you, Darnell. <laughs> that, that's something that my coworkers still joke about with me to, that, to this day. But, you know, like, I mean, we were just doing our job and, you know, it, the great thing about the NBA is that there was another game played the next night or the the night after so uh, you just move on
1: absolutely well I I hate to have to move on from this podcast and having a great time but I've already used up way more time than we said we would and I can't thank you enough for coming on and breaking some stuff down for the Thunder with us
0: no problem thanks again for having me
1: you got it and don't forget sports fans at B-Ball Breakdown we're not a channel we're a conversation you in are you in Darnell I'm in stores.